This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We've been learning how to experience a deeper relationship with God from the first letter of John. We talked about having joy in one's life and living as an authentic Christian. In today's message entitled, A Deeper Cleansing is Available, we will discuss what to do when we mess up. Please join us. What do you do when you mess up in life? We're going to look at an answer to that question today. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Merciful and gracious God, we thank you this day for the opportunity to open your word and have you speak your truth into our lives. And on this Father's Day, we thank you for loving dads who strive to provide and protect and care for their families. We also thank you, Lord, for being a good father to us. Amen. As we continue our sermon series entitled Deeper, our reading for today is from 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Dear friends, I have a confession to make. I'm a screw-up. It pains me to admit that to myself and to you, but it happens to be true. Let me explain. You see, I, I try to live the Christian life, to obey, to be faithful, to have the mind of Christ, to love as Christ has loved me, to walk in the light, in goodness as God is in the light. But I have a lousy batting average. I strike out a lot. I tend to miss the mark. I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. For instance, I want to be more gracious in life, but I find myself falling prey to being more judgmental of others and harder on them than I might be on myself. I want to be more humble, as God would have me be, but ego and pride rears its ugly head way too often as I play comparison games. I can get so careless with my words that they'll wound instead of heal. And when it comes to loving, I'm so inactive at that. When it comes to truly loving someone as Christ has loved me, I find that I avoid difficult people sometimes. It's hard to love people you don't like. And when I get home, I this is the worst place. I'm, I'm inattentive to my wife, and I don't listen very well. I'm downright rebellious when it comes 
right down to it. I rebel against God's commands. I think I, I know I shouldn't watch that or read that or say that or do that. It's wrong, I know, but I'm enjoying it. Or there's in the iniquity that is within me that Scripture talks about. I'm twisted up inside, contorted. I just can't get things right. Like a piece of warped lumber. All of us have sinned fallen short of the glory of God, Scripture tells us. We're wired that way. We tend to be selfish and turn inward and wanting to be our own gods and have the world revolve around us. We're all in that place, Scripture says. John Ortberg has written a book years ago, The Life You've Always Wanted, a story that illustrates this. Listen to John. Some years ago, we traded in my old Volkswagen Super Beetle for our first piece of new furniture, a moth sofa. It was roughly the shade of Pepto-Bismol, but because it represented to us a substantial investment, we thought mauve sounded better, classier. The man at the furniture store warned us not to get it when he found out that we had small children. You don't want a moth sofa, he advised. Get something to color of dirt. But we had the naive optimism of young parents. We know how to handle our kids, we said. Give us that mauve sofa. From that moment on, we all knew clearly the number one rule in the house. Don't sit on the mauve sofa. Don't touch the mauve sofa. Don't play around the mauve sofa. Don't eat on, breathe on, look at, or even think about the mauve sofa. Remember the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden? On every other chair in the house you may freely sit, but upon this sofa, the moth sofa, you may not sit, for in the day you sit thereupon, you shall surely die. Then came the fall. One day there appeared on the moth sofa a stain, a red stain, a red jelly stain. So my wife, who had chosen the sofa and adored it, lined up our three children in front of it, Laura, age four, Mallory, two and a half, and Johnny, six months. <laughs> Do you see that, children, she asked. That's a stain, a red jelly stain. The man at the sofa store says it's not coming out, not forever. Do you know how long forever is, children? That's how long we're going to stand here until one of you tells me who put the stain on the mob sofa. Mallory was the first to break. With trembling lips and tear-filled eyes, she said, Laura did it. Laura passionately denied it. Then there was silence. For the longest time, no one said a word. I knew the children wouldn't, for they had never seen Mom so upset. I knew they wouldn't because they knew that if they did, they would spend eternity in the timeout chair. I knew they wouldn't because I was the one who put the red jelly stain on the moth sofa, and I knew I wasn't saying anything. I figured I'd find a safe place to confess, such as in a book I was going to write someday, maybe. The truth is, We've all stained the moth sofa. I'm a screw-up, a sinner. I've got a feeling that you are too. Over the years, you see, I've discovered working in the church that the church is full of people just like me. We sometimes forget that that's serious, that there's a serious nature to sin. We play down sin in our minds and with our lips, because our culture does. In this world in which we live and love, the sense of right and wrong gets mixed up these days, and we forget or neglect God's point of view on things. And then we get calloused so that we don't even know the difference between right and wrong. We forget the holiness of God, who takes sinfulness seriously, 
Remember Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah had that encounter with God. We've lost that sense of awe of the holiness of God. Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am in the presence of God, and I am a man of unclean lips. So what do you do when you strike out? Well, here's some things that don't work very well. People have been trying them for years. Cover it up, like King David tried to do when he got too big for his britches and had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. In Psalm 32, he talks about how that didn't work out very well for him. He said, I was miserable. I felt dried up inside. Some tend to ignore it. Just pretend it didn't happen or that it doesn't matter. Live in the lie. Others will use self-justification as if the ends justifies the means. I had to do that. There was no other way. Or we have memory distortions of the facts and they kick in and pretty soon we come to convince ourselves that what we did wasn't wrong. And then there's rationalizations like everybody's doing this anyway. What's the big deal? Or there's blaming others. She made me do it. My parents screwed me up. Or minimalization. That was then. This is now. We live in the modern days. We can't let these old ways of thinking hold us back. It's not a big deal. Loosen up. And then there's comparing ourselves to others. You know, I'm doing okay compared to so-and-so. I haven't done anything majorly bad and after all God is gracious I'm sure he'll look past this and these are unhealthy ways to operate you see when I do that I am lying to myself and I'm actually hurting myself and probably a lot of other people around me as well and the more I ignore my sin the more prone I am to do it some more until I'm numb to the fact that it's wrong or until I'm absolutely captive to it You see, when sin doesn't get dealt with in your life, some rotten things can happen. One of those things is depression. I'm not talking about the chemical imbalance you have in your brain that some of us have, but I'm talking about guilt turned inward. That's what psychologists sometimes say causes depression. We're hiding something, and it drives us further from God. It leads to addictions like pornography that soon you can't quit. Starts just a little and pretty soon you're hooked. Or it puts wedges in relationships. We hide in our little secret worlds and, and aren't transparent with others. Instead, we have walls around us that people can't get close. And it leads to loneliness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer one time wrote, He who is alone with his sins is utterly alone. And it gets in the way of our prayer life as well with God. Unconfessed sin gets in the way of God hearing our prayer. Awful things. But there is a healthy alternative that the Apostle John has for us today. For folks that screw up and don't live in the light. John was a disciple of Jesus. And if anyone would know about living the Christian life and messing up, he would. In this letter near the end of the Bible, we find him addressing a church that he sees needing to grow deeper deeper in their knowledge of the truth of Jesus, deeper in the way of living God's way as ethical people, and deeper in their relationship with God. Some teachers you see could come into their community were messing up their minds with some false teaching in these three areas. So John now has spent this letter trying to deepen and strengthen their faith life. In regard to the handling of sin in one's life, he says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Don't you kid yourself. You're living a lie. 
It's unhealthy. You're lying to yourself and everyone around you. There's a little reality therapy going on in these words. He's responding to the opinion that was going around, well, we're Christians, we don't sin, we're above that. I've run into that kind of thinking even during these days. Guy came in to see me a while back and he's fairly new in the faith and he said, I'm kind of bothered by things you talk about in the church worship service. He said, you talk a lot about sin. I don't sin. I said, well, let's examine that. And I took him to the Ten Commandments and asked him some personal questions. And of course, by the end, he knew that he definitely sins. And then I said, and you, some people say, well, Old Testament, of course. But what about Jesus? These are Jesus times. I said, let's talk about Jesus. So we went into the Sermon on the Mount and all the more conviction there. Then I shared the news of forgiveness. Deny these things is to call God a liar, John says, and his word isn't in us. We're frauds. We call God a liar and we show that we're denying the authority of his word in our lives, which is another great sin. But if we confess our sins, John said, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess... If we admit, acknowledge, agree with God's view of you, take responsibility for, own up, say I'm sorry, God is faithful and just. First of all, he's faithful in that we know he's a good God who always keeps his promises, who doesn't turn away from us. He is just. He showed his justice at the cross, didn't he, as he punished sin through his son Jesus Christ, who took the wrath of God for us. And the promise is, who will forgive our sins? He'll let us off the hook. We don't have to pay back the debt. I like this definition of forgiveness. It's to give up one's right to get even. God gave up his right to get even through his son, Jesus Christ, at the cross. And he will cleanse us. There is deep cleansing that happens within us, in our hearts. So like the little praise song says, white as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as scarlet, Lord, I know I know I'm clean and forgiven. Or we join in with David, who has created me a clean heart. John goes on to say, my little children, which reminds us that he's writing to fellow believers that he loves. He says, of course, I'm writing these things in this letter to you in hopes that you don't sin that you walk obediently in the light of Christ and love God and one another and let your light shine for Jesus. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, the righteous one. Don't forget about him. He who knew no sin became sin, and he was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He lived the perfect righteous life. He was the righteous one. And dying on that cross, his blood pays for our sins. It covers our sins. And John says, by the way, not only my sins and your sins, but the sins of the whole world. God wants everyone to have his forgiveness. The truth is, folks, what John is telling us here today is that confession is a gift from God. Confession is not primarily something God has us do because he needs it. God is not clutching tightly to his mercy as if we have to pry it from his fingers like little children in a game they play with their dad. No, we need to confess in order to be healed and be changed. It's a practice that helps us become new 
and clean and transformed and free. In practicing it, we are liberated from guilt. We're given the right of leaving the past behind and we have peace with God. We will be at least a little less likely to sin in the same way when we confess. Then if we don't confess, sin will look and feel less attractive to us as we put it to words, say it out loud. Now it's in the light. Confession keeps us mindful of what we're doing with our lives, that there is a right and wrong. It sensitizes us to that, that God has a perspective on things. And confession builds humility into us as we again and again are faced with the reality that we don't have it all together, not even close. So, living with guilt and regrets are not necessary. Healing grace is available. The gift of confession has been given to you and to me to act upon and work with in our lives. Scripture says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And there's, so, there's no more hiding now, no more rationalizations, no more ignoring the problem. Instead, confess. Confess on Sunday as in worship. Someone asked me, why do we continue in our church to do confession each week? A lot of churches don't, he says. Because your pastor is a screw-up. He needs it. And we do it daily. It's our daily drowning of the old person in us, our daily baptism, as Martin Luther calls it, as we step into confession time during our prayers. We place ourselves into the care of the Holy Spirit and we ask for help. Help us to see, as we do self-examination of the last 24 hours or so, Help us to see the thoughts and the words and the deeds that are displeasing to you, Father, that need to be changed, that have hurt others. Maybe it's a matter of going through the Ten Commandments to do your examination. Or the fruit of the Spirit. Where have I fallen short in the last 24 hours in love and joy and patience and kindness and self-control? Help me, O God. Forgive me. It needs to be specific and concrete. I, I lied to someone because I wanted to look better than I really am. Or at the heart of it, you know, really, confession just means taking responsibility for what I've done. It's, and it's not easy to do. We have all kinds of excuses to slip out of feeling responsible for ourselves, but we need to be taking responsibility and we... Confession is a time to make a new promise about our intentions in the future. We resolve that with God's help, we'll change. Lord, I don't want to be this way or do this anymore or say these things. I resolve to stop. Help me. And he will help you with that through his Holy Spirit's power. Finally, each day you claim his grace. After you've confessed, you think about the cross and you claim this verse as you thankfully receive his forgiveness, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What do you do with your sin? The best thing I can think of is to confess it. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, you know how prone we are to mess up in life. 
Thank you for the grace you've offered us through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through your Holy Spirit, Lord, keep us from deceiving ourselves and move us to daily confession and that freedom in Christ that you want us to have. In his name we ask this, amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to confess your faults to God and allow Him to make you new, clean, transformed, and free from guilt. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit Christian ministry supported entirely by gifts from our listeners and other supporters. Many people do not realize that we must purchase airtime and online space. If you enjoyed today's message, we ask you to share the program with others. If you are in a position to do so, please consider a financial gift to help ensure the ministry will continue for years to come. Your gifts and prayers are extremely important to us. Send your gifts to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Or you can visit us online at christiancrusaders.org. All donations are considered tax-deductible. ChristianCrusaders.org is a very useful and vibrant source of spiritual help. It features this week's program in both audio, visual, and printed form, and has a resource for requesting prayer support. Sermon messages can be sorted according to date, scriptural text, speaker, and keywords. Please take the opportunity to visit us online today at www.ChristianCrusaders.org. We feel blessed that you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting today's service was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.